Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the Biz Bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Welcome to this session of the Ancestral Healing Summit with my guest, Vanessa Codornio. Our topic today is uncovering our cultural soul gifts through ancestral healing hypnosis. Vanessa Codornio is an acclaimed psychic, hypnotist, and teacher with 27 years of experience and more than 10,000 individual sessions. She's a Bruja and Latinx teacher of intuition and clinical hypnosis with a focus on healing ancestral trauma and patterns through a method called ancestral hypnosis healing. And she's also held over 460 ancestral healing sessions during COVID. That's, that's amazing. Vanessa, first, it's so good to see you again. Welcome. I can't wait to get into our conversation. You too. Me too. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored and so happy to be here with you in this space. Yeah, you've you've done so much. I mean, the, just the fact that you've worked with so many people during COVID, I think that's really, um, it's not only an impressive figure, but it's also wonderful that during this time, it, it feels like ancestral healing is really bubbling up and that this whole COVID thing is bringing people uh, back into contact with, with their needs for ancestral healing. So first, thank you for, for doing that work. That must be absolutely fascinating. Thank you. It absolutely is. And, um, I think I've shared before, but I want to share again, you know, I grew up, uh, having connection with my ancestors in my South American home. And one of the things as a medium, as a psychic, I started going to see and witness people reading like family members or friends or people reading each other and they were on point, but I was like, wait a minute, but nothing's changing, <laughs> right? It would be like reading what's there, the energy pattern. So I became so curious, even as a young person, like, well, how do we heal? How do we shift? Or then we're going to get kind of like the same reading every time, right? How do we make different choices? And that led me to hypnosis, led me to energy healing, led me to this work. And spirit really called me in. I was, I was sitting here, um, I think in April, May, um, and I was like, well, where do I go at this time? Well, many of us are stuck at home. I've been home already nine years with my business. And it was like, Vanessa, lower your rates, make yourself available and let's go. And I was like, all right. And I felt like 2020 was like, I was put on a horse, spirit spanked its booty. And then I just hung on and like rode like, it was, I know it's, it's just very visceral for me, but that's how it felt. So yeah. Wow. You're certainly uh, answering the call. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, um, I'd like to talk about uh, you have this this take on it that uh, you 
work ancestral healing through through hypnosis. So let's talk about that particular path, how you see ancestral healing through that modality. Thank you. And so in my journey, you know, I've done ritual work, altar work, journey, shamanic journeying work, um, you know, whole, getting a Bobeda altar and doing it in the Bruja style with the candles, the prayer. Um, I've done it in so many different ways. And then I started to notice within myself and my clients, my students, that that it worked to a degree, there was awareness, there was releasing of emotion, but there was some sort of subconscious pattern underneath that, uh, and you know, we know that healing is a process, but what I invite folks into with hypnosis, healing can happen easier than we imagine. So there's no expectation of it. We open up to the, to the miracle. And so with hypnosis, which is really a shifting of perspective, it's a deep relaxation, a shifting of perspective where we pay attention to the inner focus rather than the outer and the conscious mind relaxes. And so I started to explore with that several years ago. And then the last years, it started to really pick up and flow. So people come in with a particular issue like, Vanessa, no matter what, I can't hold on to money. I can't. I've done workshops. I'm with a coach. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't know what to do. And so I'm like, well, let's go in and see. And so as I bring somebody into the hypnotic state, um, and I asked their subconscious to show us where this uh, started, the core of it. The person usually starts going, oh, this is weird. There's a person, they, you know, like the past life regression, but they're like, they're telling me they're my great, 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 great uncle. And so we go through, there's a lot of forgiveness involved as there's always is in healing. And also a realization that I can choose to shift it. Right. I don't have to keep repeating the same thing. And so with a with a hypnosis, I found that people can shift things sometimes one session, sometimes two. Um, they've done research saying that we need at least six, you know, clinical hypnosis, research based hypnosis says that we need six to heal and not to heal completely, but to improve anxiety, PTSD. But I found in this method that sometimes one, two or three sessions, the person comes out, goes, wow, and then calls me and is like, I opened up you know, I'm, I'm going to start investing, you know, within a couple of weeks, I'm doing this, I'm taking, a, I feel free, I feel like it's not mine. So there's a chance to reclaim our sovereignty, to understand that even though it's flowing through us, um, and this is something we see everywhere, right? The truth that we are the chain breakers, that we are the ones in this generation in 2021, whatever age we are at, as long as we're aware. And so I find it a very powerful uh, focus. And we can go back in, we can go in for love. Folks call me, they say, Vanessa, I'm a single mom. My mom was a single mom. It goes back six generations. I keep saying I believe in real love and I believe in a great relationship. I go to therapy. I am doing this. I'm reading all the books and then I do something or they do something. And then I'm like, I leave them, you know? And so going next step to release the grandmothers, to release the mothers, as abuelas, the great grandmothers, and to reclaim a new reality for ourselves, which I think is so powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that that example. I, I'm wondering with your work specifically, uh, how do these uh, ancestral stories affect the Latinx community specifically? Well, it's been an incredibly powerful time for us. Um, I shifted my name. I used to be the urban priestess for 16 years. And I think two years ago, I said to myself, you know, you've been a brujita since you're little. That's what your mom used to call you, brujita, brujita mia, my little witch. And I was like, I do these things in my personal life. How many? And that's why I came out as the business Bruja, helping folks, you know, connect, heal, and then build their businesses. But in the last year, what I found is a tremendous amount of Latinx waking up on all levels on reclaiming, you know, their Brujita abilities, their magical, their intuition, 
their healing. And it's been powerful. I've seen it. I mean, I'm sure it's maybe on TikTok and other spaces, social media, but in, in uh, on social media in terms of Instagram, it's been a powerful, powerful space. And I can share like before I was had a mixed group of clients and students, it was always mixed. I think, and I have to admit, lowering the rates, um, and I'm not saying that some Latinx can afford the higher rate, but I wanted to make myself accessible to everyone. I wound up having really the majority was Latinx and BIPOC, right? Uh, Black and indigenous folks of color. And it's freeing them. Folks are beginning to band together. I think that all cultures have this, but a lot of Latinx have the, um, the sisterhood wound. I think a lot of cultures have it, right? But I'll speak on Latinx. She's like that, this one wants my man, all this stuff going around. That's also ancestral, patriarchal, oppressive, right? Machismo. And so I've seen a lot of folks of all ages, but mainly I have to say 20s and 30s, some 40s, some 50s, even a few 60s. But the ones that have been like rushing to this healing have been 20s and 30s. They're just like, this is it. I can't do the same thing my mom did. I can't, I love her, but I can't. I, but I keep repeating the cycle. Um, and so it's affected them greatly. And we can see it in the, I mean, if you just scroll through Instagram and even just do hashtag Bruja, you'll see, or hashtag ancestral healing, it pops up. And so I've seen so many shifts. And I think that one of the main things is reclaiming our ancestral birthright to our intuition, right? To listening to what's within us. Because Christianity, Catholicism impacted the Latinx community around the world so intensely. I mean, obviously um, Jewish religion as well, maybe Islamic, but Christian the most, that almost like you have to go through a priest or have to go through organized religion. The thing is most of us were secretly lighting candles on our own and doing our own thing. And so I think that is, there's been a sense of freedom and creativity and play, definitely. That is so beautifully stated and we could go in so many different directions. We could get so derailed just going down that path. Uh, I do really love the fact that you're saying younger women are, uh, they're, they're breaking these patterns that the older women have been forced through, you know, patriarchy and religious beliefs, et cetera, been forced to keep churning out the same pattern over and over again. So I re I'm really glad that you're seeing that younger women are, I mean, for, for us older women, it's like, man, we missed out, but <laughs> you go girls. It's, it's, it's wonderful to see younger women uh, finally grabbing their power and, and taking it back. Um, let's see, where did I want to go next? I, I want to also address the fact that, that you lowered your rates. Um, I know that's not specifically about ancestral healing, but in the, the spiritual community, et cetera, that's a big conversation where people think that if you do spiritual work, well, you shouldn't charge for it because you should just give it away. On the other hand, you got bills to pay and you've got to eat. But there's also the idea that people who really need the help the most are the ones who cannot afford it. So if you don't mind, can we go off on that tangent for yeah. just Thank you for that. And I wanted to talk about it because I can say that there's some, I'm also a coach, right? So I help also people build businesses online. Um, I know that sometimes they've been, they've criticized me, right? They're like, you could have done it one time, Vanessa. But what they don't understand is that I was still supporting myself, right? So there are ways to do things that are gonna, there's different models of business, but I'll say that my journey on my spiritual journey in terms of serving the community was not business oriented. 
It was like, oh, this is what I do. I'm called to have people in my house. My friend's going to clear them with sage. And I'm talking about 1998, 1999, right? Um, and we did this for many years. So I didn't charge. So I come from, you know, I'm also initiated priestess. Bruja priestess, most spiritual folks were in deep service. The thing though, is that if you're in deep service and you also have a job or jobs, you're going to be in deep drainage. And so I think one of the ancestral healing energy patterns that we're here to break as healers and really as anyone is that we can be in service and not in servitude, that we can be abundant yet not, right? And I mean, there are people who are like, hey, for my coaching, it's $5,000 a month and that's it. Or I've heard people have been $20,000 a month and they just started yesterday too. And I've been around for quite a bit of time and I'm like, I'm still being taken care of. Last year, when both my parents passed, uh, I had my mortgage and also my parents along with my siblings. So it wasn't like it was light fare. Uh, I think it's important to really look into, are you in servitude and martyrdom and feeling like you're suffering? Are you feeling expansive when you do something, right? And so what I did uh, in some of my programs, I used to go less people, more money. Right. So it was a journey. I had to heal my, I started, you know, giving everything away free. Then I started to realize, wow, I have a lot of energy, but um, this is a lot on me. I need to make sure I fill my tank so I can really show up and, and, and all and hold the space. But then now last year, it was interesting after going through all that healing, getting to that point where I was charging more, suddenly spirits like, yeah, lower the rate V. But again, then the numbers went up. So instead of 15 people in an eight week, I call it born magical, Nasimo Magicas, the intuitive journey, reclaiming our ancestral uh, gifts. Instead of 15 people, there were 80. And I closed it at 80 because I was like, mm, you know, I need to be able to manage this because <laughs> it's also a group. And then hundreds of people came through the energy healing where I'm still making a living. I'm still saving money. And so I think that it's like, if you want to do it as a hobby and you want to give it away, bless you. If you're stepping into it as a path where it's your business now and you're socially justice minded, right? And it's important for you to reach different communities, then you can create one thing or two things. And so that's what I did. Um, there's still going to be some programs that are going to be higher, but at the same time, if I keep some things really available and affordable, that's just fulfilling part of my soul that I need to, without martyrdom, without servitude, without draining myself. And some of my students are going to be like co-teaching or leading some of my Reiki level ones as they go through level three, right? The energy healing. So it, they're getting training that I didn't get with my teachers. So there's different systems. You know, we keep saying it's a new beginning. Well, it's time to also review those old concepts of servitude and review extreme capitalism as well. <laughs> There has to be maybe something in the middle that serves us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and bring that back into the ancestral healing conversation, because if we've got patterns of lack or uh, even poverty being destitute, how have you have you seen people be able to break patterns? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think I'm glad that you brought that back. One of the greatest fears that a lot of artists have, obviously, right? We have the myth of the poor artist, starving artist, and a lot of spiritual people have when coming into actual business, right? Or offering something is that they're going to starve. And it come and it came up a lot in Corona to, during the pandemic because the PTSD and ancestral lineages, they're like, why do I feel like this? So I had Jewish clients going, Vanessa, I'm scared. I'm looking at my doors and I'm like, did you lose someone? 
you know, in the concentration camps, they're like, yes, I did. There are other people calling me. I'm like, did you come in from another country and, and go through a lot of duress? They're like, yeah, but not only that, my great grandparents, my this. Irish people tell me that their parents went through the potato famine, they left, right? And so there's a lot of cultures and they absolutely can. And one of them is being able to go back in any way through journeying, you know, shamanic journeying, ritual, altar, um, journaling, hypnosis healing, where you can go back, see the lineage of where it comes from, of this lack. And a lot of times it comes from war. I've seen like war, the men are taken away, suddenly the women are starving, there's something going on. Uh, I've seen people coming into new countries not speaking a language and like working really hard for low pay uh, in, in sessions. I've seen people who lost that one thing that they did, like their ancestors, maybe they were winemakers and they had a good living. Suddenly they didn't know how to do anything else. So learning new skills. And so the more we can forgive and release that, understand that we're in a new time, that we get to create a new and energetic pattern and I have them choose, like we work on it. I'm like, what would you love if there was no block, right? And I let them like, well, you know, I want to be like you too. Like you are supporting yourself. You're still healthy. You have love in your life. You have a full, full life. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I did a lot of work to get here. Um, and let's go. What's the sentence? What's the mantra that we're going to weave through your hypnosis? It is now safe for me to do spiritual work, be seen, and also be abundant, without drainage, without servitude. I release all contracts, all ancestral lineages or ties to poverty and, and, and lack, right? Mm -hmm. And honestly, one of the things that blows my mind, especially being online for the last 90 years, I'm fully online. I do some workshops in person, retreats, but mostly everything's online. Uh, there's freedom online. Yes, we're stuck in the house with the light in front of us, right in front of a Zoom. But there's so much freedom to reach people. You know, I had clients in Italy and Spain and Australia. Um, folks are watching us from all over the world. And so there's also the mindset of shifting. Oh, things can only be done one way. Mm -hmm. And one of the deep messages that a lot of ancestors shared for people in their sessions was you are resilient. Do you know how much we've all survived down the line in order for you to exist right now? And we forget that because we're used to going to our offices, to our cubicles, most, right? To the job that's delineated of this is what I do. I trained for this. This is what I studied for, or this is what I know how to do. Well, a lot of our ancestors were jacks of all trades and Juanas of all trades, right? We, we did a lot of things and it's still possible now. So absolutely. I mean, I could go on for days, but I just would say that if there's anything else, but yes. So definitely people shift that. Uh, that's wonderful news. I, I want to talk about hypnosis, but first let's stay on the, the topic of uh, working with people during this COVID uh, epidemic. I wonder, uh, have you worked with anybody who has had ancestors who had experiences in other pandemics? Uh, the Spanish flu, for example, a hundred years ago. Yes. Thank you for asking that. I did. There were pandemics and it's interesting because some of them, felt stronger and okay. They didn't know that they had ancestors. They went in to hypnotic state to release, let's say a love pattern. And when I called in the well ancestors into the hypnotic space, the well ancestors were like, hey, you're doing all right right now because we survived that, we're okay. So there's a reaction of we've been through this, you'll be fine. Or the, oh my God, no, 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 death happened, we lost people. And so absolutely we found people like that. Um, I mean, just the other pandemics, um, other acts of God, like volcanoes, earthquakes, but with pandemics, yes. And that's where people sometimes show up with terror. 
like some people, there were a lot of people came, well, not a lot, let's say more than two handfuls um, of folks who came through with sudden agoraphobia, like suddenly afraid to leave the house. You know, they're like, I wasn't like this, I was so social. And when we go in and ask what, what is at the core, you know, the ancestors came forward, they're like, because we went through other pandemics and going out got us sick. And so, but people can release it, can heal it. I think that there's a big, when we can be aware of something, when we can, when we make the unconscious conscious, right? When we can look at our shadows, when we can perceive them and see, oh, okay, they exist and it's all right. Yeah, sometimes I am gonna be a little scared of this and I'm not stuck here. We've been through it, now I'm breaking it, let's move forward. And take the precautions, right? Never forcing anyone to do anything that they don't feel that they're okay with. But I would say that they started going out, at least taking walks with their dogs, you know, being able to go around the block outside to see some sunlight. So absolutely, there were people whose ancestors survived the pandemic, the one before, yeah. Wow. So well, let's go ahead and talk about uh, hypnosis. Uh, first, let's explain for people who might not be familiar uh, what hypnosis actually is. And then how can we use self-hypnosis to uh, do this at home, break free of our own limiting beliefs? Absolutely. And so the thing with hypnosis, it's a trance-like mental state, right? In which people experience increased attention, concentration, suggestibility. And while it's described as a sleep state, it actually isn't. I would describe it more as a state of focused attention. Um, you still have the heightened suggestibility and there's a lot of vivid um, experience. Some people see, some people hear, just like our intuition, right? Some people see, some people hear, some people feel, and some people just know, right? But it's a calm state of altered consciousness. And we don't use you know, anything else besides our own breath, counting, repetitive speech. And what starts to happen is the conscious mind starts to relax and we go deeper and deeper. And we start to let go of that inner critic or logic, right? Which is makes sense. We all have so much pressure to get it right, to do it a certain way in everyday life, right? Um, that the conscious sometimes is like, wait, am I making up? And so in the conscious mind is invited to relax and say, hey, let's just allow what comes forward. And we all have access to that information because a hypnotist or a guide or a teacher isn't giving you the information, they're merely clearing the way so you can see what's already there. And so that's really what it is. Um, we have sometimes a little bit of fear around it, right? I don't have anything around me that I could show with, but you know, in the old days, we used to have, you know, like little clocks or watches, you're getting sleepy and all this stuff. And then, you know, they would do whatever they wanted with you in the movie or in the horror thing or whatever it was. And one of the things that I know, because I started with hypnosis at 19 through recordings, my past life recordings that took me to lives, right? And I was like, mom. Um, so that's a whole other topic. Um, and then I learned and I trained with clinical hypnosis in my 20s. And so I've been doing it for over 20 years and it's been a process of, well, what works better? What serves better? And shifting the techniques. And what I would say is that I don't believe that with hypnosis, anyone can make you do what you don't want to. So if a client calls and says to me, well, let's see if you could do this. And I'm like, sorry, I'm not up for the dare. I gave you an invitation for us to work together. Let's co-create what you want. Let's be co-conspirators on this, co-guides, because all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And so, and it's very, very important to, if you're going to work 
we're going to talk a little bit about some techniques you could do on your own. But if you're going to work with anyone, you need to feel like you trust them. And if anything feels weird, then it is weird. You know, don't, oh, but they know better. They're educated. They're a doctor. They're this. If anything feels odd, don't do it. And you can, you could open your eyes and be like, this is not for me. So I wanted to say that because I know that there have been abuses in the past and I've read about them. And it's really important to select someone who meets you where you're at, meaning not trying to give you their perspective in the world, how it should be, uh, their cultural perspective, but listens to you. So when they work with you, they use your words. Uh, they use the words that you're comfortable with, the deity or religion or path that you've been working in. And so that's a basis. One of the ways that we can work um, is finding a very calm space. I wouldn't say to be laying flat because sometimes people can drift into sleep, right? And we wanna be able, so we wanna find some time where we can be alone. And we wanna write down before we even go in, some of the things that have been coming up for you, right? And so you can, and sometimes people are like, nothing comes up for me, I'm fine. You know, I, I've also met people like that and I'm like, well, take a deep breath. I was like, because as fine and as wonderful as we are, either there's a talent that we could tap into in a deeper way, or there's a place of healing within us. Even from the uber independent, that could be a pattern as well, right? Especially I see that a lot with Americans, immigrants coming into the country. No, we do it on our own. Um, I had to learn to receive more and to receive support as well in my journey of healing. And so I say, write down, let's say, let's start with one. One thing that you feel you've inherited. It could be something, you could, it might take some thinking. So you could say, what have you heard at home a lot? There's a thing, money doesn't grow on trees. Almost everybody's heard that. Money doesn't grow on trees. Turn off the lights. You know, what are you, Rockefeller? You know, these are old stories from clients. There could be things like there are no good men. Uh, there are no good women. Women are crazy. Uh, life is very hard and you're going to have to struggle. These are stories I've heard. So write that down. Life is very hard and I have to struggle and it's still going to be hard. It's a battle. I've heard people say this. And then when you write down whatever it is, that you feel, or there's no love for me, I'm too weird, I'm too different, no one will understand me, uh, I'll never survive as an artist, whatever it is, you write it down. And then underneath it, write down, what would you like to replace that with, right? What would you like to replace it with? Like, you know what, it's safe for me to speak my truth, it's safe for me to be seen, it's safe for me to create my art. I will find a way to create my art and still be abundant. Doors open for me every day, wherever I am, I prosper, whatever it is, right? And then we're going to find a comfortable spot. Again, not sitting flat, maybe sitting up or laying down. And we're going to start with our breath. And that's the invitation that I give people. So even placing your hand on your heart. And we're going to just count in, right? So I'm just going to, I'm not really going to bring us in, but just kind of showing it to you, right? We're going to count in. So breathe, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. So count of four. So breathe, two, three, four. Exhale two, three, four. And we keep doing this, breathe, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four. And as we allow ourselves to breathe and exhale, breathe and exhale, our focus starts to come into play with our breath instead of, well, what's happening around us, right? And the more we just, we're gonna stop letting, we're gonna let go of counting. We're just gonna be like, breathe, exhale, right? Allowing our eyes to close. And then imagining a beautiful place in nature. So we've heard this in some creative visualizations already, right? And then we're gonna tell ourselves we're letting go, we're letting go. 
And then at some point, you can record this for yourself actually, right? So it becomes easier and then ask, what, um, what is at the core of this money doesn't grow on trees or this fear to speak out or this fear to be seen or this fear to be alone, whatever it may be. What is at the core? And then allow yourself to keep breathing in, exhaling and just pay attention. It could be suddenly in your hands, in your body. It could be a vision of a battlefield. It could be literally you hearing something like a story and just allow whatever comes up to be you know, what it is and then whatever, and it could be just energy. Some people have done this and said, Vanessa, I didn't really see or hear anything, but I got this heaviness in my heart. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, and then we're going to take three deep breaths and exhale. So breathing in and I'm releasing that energy, <sighs> right? And another one, and exhaling <sighs> and with a sound releasing from your body. And then one more, and exhaling <sighs> and then allowing yourself to kind of relax your head into this, into your neck, into your shoulders just generally going through your body and now bringing in the new energy, you know, and imagining yourself and you see yourself speaking or you see yourself in love or you see yourself abundant, getting paid for your artwork, your healing work and allowing the energy to just fill your cells, your bone, your muscles and saying that to yourself, I allow this new energy to fill every part of myself. I am deserving of love, of money, of space, of freedom, of sovereignty, whatever it is. And deserving is a big thing right? Deserving, like us being like deserving. We, we have an idea that we have to be perfect. There's some weird twisted ideal. There is none, right? And so that's just some basics. So it's through breath, finding a place, writing a sentence down. I would start with one thing, allowing yourself to see it. You know, some folks wind up going to a place in nature and doing this and receiving a lot of information in that way. And so that's just one of the ways um, but we're, we have the setup before, which is, well, what are we looking at? And where do I want to go? The goal of where we're headed. And then, and some people can, and you can also choose to, you could choose to record this for yourself. You could choose to listen to music. What you want to do though is keep focus on your goal and not like whoo, drift off somewhere. And um, so that's one of the, sim that's a simple technique of what we can do. Mm -hmm. that, that really is uh, very doable uh, on your own. I, I wonder, for people who are relatively new to this type of work, uh, how can they tell if what they're working with is an ancestral pattern or just a bad habit that they've picked up along the way? What are your thoughts on that? And that's a great question. I would say that some of the bad habits that we've picked up though are somewhere along the line ancestral, right? Hard to prove, I would say. Uh, I tend, I can tend to overwork, but I could look up the line and I could see that. Well, you could say, well, you were in New York, you were alone, you had to support yourself. You, there are all these real reasons for it, right? But and so I would say it can be a bad habit. And um, let's see, how could we tell the difference? One of the differences would be that you had at some point in your life before not had that habit and you notice that you slouched into it or caved into it or adopted it because you felt like it was a shortcut somehow, but in the end it was damaging to you or not supportive. So if you can figure out that there was a time where you didn't do this, right? And nothing traumatic happened to make you do it. Like not a, no exterior thing. Like if you lose your job, of course, you're gonna be like, oh, let me get three jobs, you know, whatever it is. Or let me create something fast to survive. Um, you could see why somebody would overwork in that way. 
that's a way you would be able to tell. But this also, one of the things that I would say about ancestral healing, and probably other folks have said it, it gives you such a sense of confidence to do ancestral healing work, because sometimes we even don't even feel like we belong in our families, right? We don't feel like we could belong in our groups, in our cultural groups. We feel sometimes a little like we're different and weird or whatever it is. Um, when I talked to my grandparents about my mediumship and past life explorations at 19, they laughed and my grandfather called over my grandmother said, sit down. I know, viejita, he called her old lady. Well, this one thinks she invented it. And I was like, what do you mean I did it? I'm just telling you. Because I was scared. I had this big book of like past life information, right? Edgar Casey and all this other stuff. And I was like, and um, I was 19. And they were just like, we don't talk about it, but let me tell you. And so we may not know that something is a block until we bring it up, especially culturally. A lot of folks don't talk about things. And it's not just one culture. In some Latinx cultures, we don't talk about certain things. But I also worked with somebody in Germany the other day who is long line in Germany. And he's like, we don't talk about that. We just man up and we'll keep moving. And so it could be so many cultures. And, and, and if you can have the conversation with a great aunt who's still alive, she'll be like, oh, of course, honey, I wanted to marry the man I love, but I, I couldn't do it. So I stayed single, you know, whatever it is, or we couldn't marry for love, whatever it was, um, you might find. So if at some point you didn't have the habit, um, Maybe that it's just a habit, but if it's something that somewhere along the line was picked up um, or came out from your ancestry, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, as you were talking, I was reminded, you know, we none of us want to turn into our own parents. And you mentioned that a little earlier. I don't want to be like my mother. Uh, I wonder how how often do people, when they work with you, do they do they come with, with, with that specific saying, I don't want to turn into my own parents? they do and what they find out in the sessions is that in the you know we resist something <laughs> what would they say right what resists persists but when we push against something what winds up happening is we wind up emulating on some level and so i would say that when people come with me they're like my mother's closed my mind and i'm like or my mother's trying to control me meanwhile the child is trying to control the mother to heal I gave her this doctor and I gave her that one and I gave her this, you know, therapist and this medium and this, and I gave her 5 billion books. And I'm like, so what is your mother trying to control you about? She wants me to get married. Okay. So I'm like, even before I go into hypnosis, I'm like, so your mom wants you to do something that she thinks is for your own good. And you want her to do something that you think is for her own good. She, they're like, okay. Yeah. And so that can happen. And remember that our parents most often not everyone because i'm sure there's very aware conscious parents they were doing the best they could at the time they also don't have the tools that are available now like even if they wanted therapy they may have had access to it i mean there's amazing memes on social media right now that are teaching people about narcissism right and mental health and taking care of ourselves so it's a really a brand new world in so many ways so people do come and some people come to me afraid right before they're going to get pregnant they call they call me or even men who are about to have children, they're like, I'm really scared. I'm very engaged with my partner, but I'm scared that once she has the child, I'm gonna like, that's what my dad, and, I'm, and I question them, I'm like, did anybody else do this? Yeah, I don't wanna turn into my dad, you know? And so a little coaching before the hypnosis and then forgiveness. Forgiveness is the thing that's going to allow you to embrace who you truly are because you're not engaged in pushback with the other person. Like I personally didn't want 
to have um, a relationship where I would be supported by my partner, right? My mom passed last year. She was already 76. That's the old school tradition of South America. There were women who did support themselves, but you had four kids. You really didn't normally do that. Um, so I rebelled against it a lot. At some point I realized, lay down your arms, sister. You know, the, she was living in that particular time. She loved all you, that's what she needed to do. You're your own story. And so we also have to take into account historical societal pressures and demands. And though while we're not, we're far from perfect at all with what's happening now in the world, but there are changes, we do have more leeway, more freedom, more accessibility. So we don't have to turn into them. And I think we can acquire um, the best of them. I just want to share a brief story. So I, I had to reach out to a um, fourth cousin the other day that I haven't talked to in a long time. As I talked to him, he was very close to my mom and uh, his wife. And at the end, they both started crying. And I was like, why are they like, the way you speak to us in Spanish, you're an extension of your mom. I didn't take it in any bad sense. I was like, mommy, you know? And so there, when we have that, for, and that's not to say we didn't have our battles, right? And pushbacks and her wanting, me wanting. Um, coming to peace that who our parents are and our grandparents are, while it can influence us, does not make a judgment about how lovable we are, does not, dictate how successful we can be and it doesn't dictate what we can create in our own world in our own lives you know yeah yeah um i wonder too um i'd like to sort of circle back to something we talked about much earlier about uh our, our magical selves about how uh you know younger people today maybe because there's more freedom or whatever but uh, uh a lot of us have had that squashed. Uh, we feel powerless because we don't have access to our own personal magic. And uh, that's why one of the reasons I love that, uh, I, I, I can't pronounce bruja without sounding like an idiot. I can't roll my R's. <laughs> but I, I'd like to talk about, uh, you know, just how are we reclaiming our magic and how does that play into the whole ancestral healing? Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that for the Latinx that I've worked with and for myself and the groups that I've led, what I've seen is the just the simple awareness that, first of all, we already have it, right? That even though it may be buried or you don't know about it, the minute you're like, hey, I'm ready, or even when you're not ready, right? It could come through signs and symbols. And so a lot of folks I see are coming through it through ritual. Right. So some people call it a boveda, which is a place where you put your ancestors, place pictures of your ancestors. It's an altar. Um, glasses of water are usually used to elevate the elements of water to elevate their spirit once they cross over, kind of creating sacred space in their homes. Right. And I grew up with a mom who did sacred cleansings and clearings and incense and limpias. We called it with eggs, etc. But some were separated and now they're like, oh, reading more. There's more authors available. There's more people available. They're not alone. We're not alone. And so it feels like, oh my God, we've always been that way. And one of the things that we need to remember is like being a bruja is, is about anti-oppression. So it's really, so it fits really into the times of what we're dealing right now and the awarenesses that we're having. And whether or not uh, all Latin American folk embrace this the truth is and i've done research on this and i've taught some classes on it with also research and meditation is um that we are a mix of all cultures 
really Latinx in general, no matter what we look like, as we go down, we really are part African, European and indigenous. And so what energy is calling us? Is it the drums? Is it uh, sage? Is it going to study Aztec um, medicine? And what it is, is we're returning to that which is already within us that somehow we were blinded to or were told that it was bad or evil and understanding that it's not. And so that's what we're doing, but now we have support. Now, now they're like groups. There's like this club and the Bruja gathering. And, and so it's like, woo, we've always been here. And now we get to see each other. And that's what's happening. It's community-based, it's personal, claiming your own mind, body, and spirit. Like I'm free to do it. And one of the things that I've seen in hypnosis with folks is, well, if I'm magical and I'm intuitive and I'm outspoken and I'm passionate, I won't find a partner. That happens a lot. So I'm gonna, in every culture, but I've seen a lot in Latinx, like I have to be, la chica buena, the good girl, right? And I was like, you know, my my story as well, but I was like, if we, if we are our full selves with our passion and our energy and our interests, we're gonna attract that person's gonna vibe to energy and want that energy. If we are still playing that role, we're gonna attract someone who's interested in that role. And so it's reclaiming our energy, knowing it's within us, learning some practices that support us, doing it with community, doing it with connection. And like I said earlier, there's a lot of joy about it. So there's a lot of like snark around it as well, like um, candles that say, you know, get your limpia on girl, you know, your, your aura, está mal, you know, it stinks, whatever it is. Like there's a lot of cute, like uh, stickers and shirts and t-shirts, um, bruja t-shirts and, uh, abuela bruja, grandma bruja, mommy bruja. It's like all these different things of like, yeah, we're it, we're here, it's okay. It's like, and that is what it is, reclaiming, reclaiming the words and reclaiming the energies and um, and really knowing that it never left. It was kind of a little hiddenish, right? Or very hidden. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Your, your words are so sparkly. <laughs> I can see it from here. Now, this question, um, I'm not even sure uh, if you can answer this because this is just coming to the top of my head right now as we talk. Um, I'm wondering about uh, people, uh, the uh, Latinx people who live in the United States where racism is just crazy. Uh, how does ancestral healing even enter into that? Is there any way that that can help people to, I don't know, rise above this whole craziness? I think that it, I mean, from what I've seen, right, I speak from what I've seen, um, what I've been around. So I can't speak for the whole, right, but I speak for what I've seen. And from what I've seen is absolutely yes. Because if we feel, if a person feels disempowered, dislocated, feels not important, uh, put down, right, by comments that were made politically, et cetera, and racism abounding, then it's hard to feel empowered enough to fight or feel healthy enough when we connect to where we belong spiritually, when we understand like the tradition of where we come from, and there are some ancestors we're not gonna like, right? So forgiveness again. Um, and we reclaim some of those practices. It is really, as I said, anti-oppression. We're saying, I'm not gonna let you with all your racism, your energy, your negative words, take my sweet, beautiful, gorgeous energy away from me. And that's one of the things that our spiritual practices, whatever they may be, right, um, are going to come into, that are really going to come into play at these times. 
what I've seen too is being in community. I, I've been in some sessions where uh, even in energy healing training where I'll give an example, um, a, a black woman, uh, there, were, there were a lot of black women in the room, also white, Latinx, Asian, and we were all breaking out to do energy healing on each other. It just so happened that one particular black woman was set up with this white woman. And when they went into work together, the woman, the white woman said, no sister, you're not going first. I'm, do, I, I'm gonna support you. You need this right now with everything that's happening. And when they came back from their group, the woman was crying and she's like, I don't, you know, we, as black women, we've just had to work all the time. Like we don't, we're just tough. We have to, we get it together. We gotta survive, we gotta do it. And the fact that that woman did that for her in that moment, it was like, I'm holding you. It was so beautiful. We all cried, we all got emotional. And that's just one tiny story or a Latinx woman coming in saying, I've always hated my hair. I've straightened it. I've been told I have bad hair, that it's kinky hair. And women just, just listening to them. And one of them's like, I'm always perming my hair to have hair like yours. And this, so to understand that these things that we take to heart that have been, you know, like we've been hit with and abused with and flagellated with and beat up with our creations and that we're, we have an opportunity to love each other into a new reality. So I've seen it with, again, community. I've seen it in hypnosis, um, healing, and even in just energy training, right? So it's just, uh, it's powerful because, and to feel like, you know, some people, some people stop at the story of slavery, right? Where they don't go further back, where they're like, well, I, my, you know, my great grandparents were, were picking cotton and this is where I suffered. When they go back into the hypnotic state, they start to, oh, but my grand, my great, 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 oh yeah. And they did this and they started a business and they start to also connect to the stories around it and beyond that, that we can't define a, a, a whole group of people by just one experience, right? Or the Latinx people who are, you know, very varied as well. African-American people are also very varied from many different countries um, that we're not gonna all be judged by this thing. You know, one of the questions I always got asked, did you cross the border? And I'm like, um, you know, I was really lucky that my dad came first and then he was able to bring us over, right? Through a visa, et cetera. And then we became citizens because he was a citizen through his job. I was like, that's my story but people have so many different stories. And when we can to connect to the stories of resilience, of courage, of rising above anything that has, that's healing, that's empowering, right? So, and you know, the, there's a quote that says, we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Our ancestors, I don't know who said it, but it's not mine. And it's so, so true. And I see that so much in my work, like how deeply powerful, how deeply magical we are. So no matter what anyone says outside in the world, so. <laughs> All right, perfect, wonderful. Uh, now uh, I'm looking at the clock, we're running a little low on time. Uh, so before we go any further, I wanna make sure that I mention your website and that is thebizbruja.com. Uh, what can people find if they visit your site? So I help people support, I support people in breaking through ancestral patterns, connect to the power of their intuition so they can have better lives, feel better, and also build their businesses. So you'll find, there's also a page all in Spanish, Vanessa en Español, right on the page. So if you want to work in Spanish, there's also the School of Healing Arts where I offer courses and they're ongoing and a lot of them are live. So you, we get to be in the space together, which I love and very diverse classes and also Akashic Records and Ancestral Hypnosis Healing. So thank you.
Beautiful. So many offerings. That's fantastic. I, this has been a, such a fun conversation. We we just sort of followed <laughs> followed our thoughts along and, and so many things came up that we didn't expect to talk about. So I, I love talking to you, Vanessa. It's always a good time. So thank you for being with us. Uh, is there anything that uh, is still bubbling in your brain that we haven't brought up or that uh, we forgot to talk about? Yes. So something that's coming through for me is as folks are watching these conversations, if you feel emotional, if you feel tingly in your body, if you feel a pressure in your body and like your chest, if you see feel tears coming through, I believe that the summit is also a portal for ancestral healing, just hearing the conversations, right? And so allow yourself maybe to write down or journal, allow yourself to fully feel. And then I would say at some point, do something to clear and cleanse yourself. It's not to get rid of it, but more like we want to also just transmute what's coming up, right? Uh, when we go play in the park, we then take a bath. So as we're feeling our feelings and letting things come up as they may, and know that you don't have to know the specifics of everything to be undergoing healing. Sometimes we just have these expressions, these feelings that come up and there's a lot of clearing going on astrologically it's set up and collectively. So take care of yourselves. Thank you. All right, well, thank you again, Vanessa. It's always a delight talking with you. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, once again, I've been talking with Vanessa Cadornio and I wanna thank everyone for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this conversation in the Ancestral Healing Summit.